Hello, welcome back to the First and Beard College Football Podcast for week, what is it now, Anthony? Week uh, seven, eight of the college football season, already eight weeks in, and we're finally getting Big Ten football and Mountain West football uh, back in our lives, but let's be honest, we're here for the Big Ten football. Uh, but before we get into week eight of the college football season, we got to look back at week seven of the college football season. It was a... It was a uh, wasn't a fun, overly crowded schedule in terms of good games, but uh, there are some notable things to go off. So obviously the big game of the weekend was Georgia Alabama. Uh, but before we get into that, we'll just run through uh, some other notable games. But before we get to those, any opening words of wisdom for our listeners? No, just are you ready for Big Ten football? Because Big Ten football is back, baby. And living in Big Ted country, we could not be more excited for this weekend. It's going to be a fun one. But before we uh, move forward, we have to look back. And uh, last week, you know, kind of a boring slate of games, as you said in the in the past. It wasn't the, the sexiest slate of games, to quote Dylan. But there were some surprises in there that, that we'll cover over uh, over our recap. So let's just let's just dive right into it. Yeah, let's just dive right into it. All right, so let's just start off at uh, Friday night. One of the better games of the weekend and one I was really looking forward to watching because I wanted to see how does BYU go up against a team like Houston, the best team they've faced all season. And Houston gave BYU a game. Houston was winning this game uh, in the third quarter, uh, but BYU uses a big fourth quarter, I believe it was, uh, to beat Houston 43-26. Another big game out of Zach Wilson, 25-35-400, four touchdowns. Uh, but not too much else on that, uh, just to keep this brief. Uh, I thought this was a big win for BYU. Uh, it really keeps them. Um, it shows that they are a team that uh, I think we should take seriously. Obviously, they have Boise State, but uh, the Cougars keep rolling. Yeah, no, this was a great win for BYU. In my opinion, this was their first real test of the season. This was the first team that I thought could give BYU some trouble. And at points, Houston did. Houston played really well in this game. But BYU was just too talented, and it showed towards the end of this game. Um, 478 total yards of offense for BYU, 400 through the air. All of that came from uh, Zach Wilson, who is clearly emerging as a star in college football right now. And uh, a guy that, you know, is becoming a fan favorite amongst college football fans. Uh, 400 yards through the air on uh, 25 completions, four touchdowns, uh, 40 yards rushing as well. I mean, the kid's just impressive. And also an incredibly impressive performance as well from one of his receivers, Dax Milne. Uh, Nine receptions, 184 yards, and three touchdowns. So he had a huge game as well. and was a big reason BYU won this game, so he deserves a shout-out as well. Yeah, great call there. with uh, his uh, wide receiver, uh, I'm already blank on his name. Uh, I am watching the World Series in the background for all uh, transparency. Uh, so if I forget a name, my apologies. Uh, but let's move on. Um, we'll just go down top 25 list now, of course, saving Alabama, Georgia for the last. Um, Clemson rolls over Georgia Tech, 73-7. Feel bad for Georgia Tech here. They were down 52-7 at halftime, but... Uh, Clemson showed that they are uh, the number one team in the country for a reason. And Trevor Lawrence, I think, uh, probably, barring a, a collapse here, has the Heisman Trophy as wrapped up as he could just halfway through the season. 
Mac Jones is doing a great job for Alabama, but uh, I, I mean, I think Lawrence is going to run away with the Seisman. Yeah, Georgia Tech didn't stand a chance in this game. Um, they'll be a good team in the future, but Clemson's a good team now, and this this one wasn't even close. Um, Trevor Lawrence, 24 of 33, 404 yards in the air, five touchdowns, but he did throw his first interception on the year, Dylan, so we do have to take off some points for that one. However, five touchdowns and 400 yards passing, I think he'll be fine. Uh, Amari Rogers also had a great game, six receptions, 161 yards and two touchdowns, 73 points, dude, in, in a power five game. That's, I don't care who you're playing. That's incredibly impressive. And this team is looking as dominant as ever. Yeah, they really are. And I mean, not only a power five game, but against a team that really, it may not have been much so the last few years, but Georgia Tech and Clemson is very much a rivalry that goes back quite a bit. Uh, so that that makes it all the more impressive. Moving on, uh, number four, Notre Dame, uh, in an ugly one, gets it done against Louisville, 12-7. Notre Dame has shown the pass. They could get it done off and offensively, though I don't think they're that big of an offensive juggernaut. They showed they could also get it done defensively. Uh, Louisville isn't a great team this year, but they're very good offensively. Uh, Notre Dame only gives up seven points here. You'd like to see more offensive firepower. Um, I don't think they are the number four team in the country, but you take these victories. And, I mean, if you're Notre Dame, it's good to show that you can win in a uh, in a scrap like this. Yeah, listen, Notre Dame always has, like, a game like this every year, it feels like. That one game where they win, but they didn't look overly impressive, and maybe they shouldn't have won it if the other team played to their potential. Um, just, just one of those grinded-out defensive games. Nobody was able to get any offense going. Uh, both quarterbacks, Ian Book only had 106 yards passing. Uh, Malik Cunningham had 118 yards passing. So you could easily see what kind of game it was. Uh, Kyron, uh, Kyron Williams had a big game for Notre Dame. He had 25 carries for 127 yards. He was one of the big differences in this one. So yeah, grind it out game for Notre Dame. But they're going to have to show me something in the next coming weeks because they have Clemson coming up. And if they want to win that game, they can't be putting up offensive performances like this one. They, they really can't. And yeah, like you said... They have Clemson coming up, and I have a feeling that's not going to be uh, a pretty one there for Notre Dame, but we'll wait and see. Talking about not pretty, uh, Florida State takes down number five, North Carolina, 31-28. The Seminoles are back. Okay, maybe not. Maybe not. We shouldn't. Mm. We shouldn't. Let's calm down here. The Seminoles are not back. This is not going to be a jump start to Florida State becoming a powerhouse again. But Mike Norvell gets a nice win here over a uh, quote-unquote top-five team. Let's be honest, they're not. They weren't. Uh, but still, great win for Florida State at home against a ranked opponent. Yeah, listen, I watched this game uh, mostly from start to finish. Obviously, I was flipping back and forth between uh, Auburn, or excuse me, Alabama, Georgia, and UNC, Florida State. This was a team that it felt like neither game, uh, neither team wanted to win. Um, Florida State got out to a big lead early, and we all thought, oh, this game is over. And then North Carolina just started creeping back in it. Sam Howell started looking like Sam Howell again. He did not look like himself in the first half. And I thought Florida State was going to choke this game away. I really did. But they were able to hold on. Some uh, drops late on that last drive for North Carolina cost them this game. 
But uh, Florida State might have found something with Jordan Travis. He might be their their quarterback moving forward the rest of the year. You know, his numbers aren't overly impressive. Only 8 of 19 for 191 yards and a touchdown and a pick. But he has this offense looking a little better than they have been the last couple of weeks. And for Florida State, that's all you can really ask for. Yeah, that really is all you can ask for out of Florida State. Uh, and, yeah, great win. Uh, and it- yeah, I should add for Travis as well. He did have 107 yards on the ground and two touchdowns, so he definitely made a bigger impact in the run game than in the passing game in this one, and that was the difference. But, yeah, no, good win for Florida State. They needed something like this for their program. North Carolina is going to be great, but they're still not ready to be in that top five tier that they were ranked this week. Fully agree. Uh, Texas A&M keeps the ball rolling, takes down Mississippi State 28-14. Mississippi State's offense still struggling after that uh, fantastic win in week one against LSU. Uh, if you're to A&M, you keep on building. They're now into the top ten after this win. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, if you're Texas A&M, you got a Texas A&M fan, you got to like it. Uh, and they're going to be favorites the rest of the season, so perhaps they can find a way uh, to get into the um, college football playoff uh, discussion by the end of the season. Yeah, once again, Kellen Mond wasn't overly impressive in this one, but he didn't need to be. Only 139 yards on the ground. Did have two touchdowns, though. It was Isaiah Spiller that really carried the day for AM in this one. 114 yards on the ground and two touchdowns for him. He was the big difference. But this Mississippi State offense, man, what a fall from grace. Keja Costello only had 99 yards uh, passing. They ended up um, benching him and bringing him as backup quarterback. Only 217 total yards of offense for Mississippi State. That is not a Mike Leach offense, and they have some serious work to do, and they have some serious things to figure out because they look terrible right now. They do, and if you're a Bulldogs fan, you gotta you got to be questioning if it was the right decision. Obviously, after week one, uh, you couldn't be higher, uh, but uh, now you are, uh, you're filling the lowest of lows, and... Um, Mississippi State isn't Vanderbilt bad, but they may be the second worst team in the SEC right now. I wouldn't be surprised if Vanderbilt beat them. I really wouldn't. Yeah. The way they're playing right now. Vanderbilt will get in the game. That's how bad they're playing right now. I agree. Um number thirteen, Miami bounces back after being dominated by Clemson, takes down Pittsburgh thirty one nineteen. It wasn't a pretty win. This uh game was a I wanna say kind of closer than the score indicates. Uh but they were able to bounce back at the win, like I said. Derek King did not have a great game, uh, but if you're Miami, a win's a win. Yeah, listen, a win's a win. Um, Derek King, like you said, did not look great to start off this game. Ended up with a decent stat line, 16 of 31, 222 yards, four touchdowns. He did have two interceptions, though. Um, you know, Miami did what they needed to do. Uh, Pitt did not have Kenny Pickett in this one. He was ruled out with, I believe, an ankle injury. And he's still trying to recover from that. So that definitely cost them in this game. I think that if Pitt had Kenny Pickett at quarterback, I think they would have made this a lot closer and might have possibly even won this game. Because Miami did not play well, but they did well enough to win against a depleted Pitt team. And Joey Yellen clearly is did not look the part of... Um, he didn't look great. He was okay, but he didn't do anything special. But I will say, Pitt has a great receiver in freshman Jordan Addison. Eight receptions for 147 yards. He is clearly a guy that Pitt is going to build around moving forward on this offense. Yeah, I fully agree with you uh, there. Um, moving on, South Carolina takes down number 15, Auburn. And if you're getting a little warm, that's because uh, you can probably feel Gus Malzahn's hot, hot seat right now. Uh, Tigers fall to 2-2 two and two after this 32-22 loss to South Carolina. Uh, yeah, Auburn looks real bad offensively. 
Uh, Chad Morris has not worked out so far for the Tigers. Um, but, uh, I mean, if you're uh, Muskamp and those Gamecocks, uh, that's a that's a nice, solid victory to your season. And uh, perhaps it gets a ball rolling here because uh, South Carolina could make an argument right now for being a top five team in the SEC. They really could. I mean, you get once you get past Alabama and Georgia, you know, you got Texas A&M, you got Florida. We could flip those three and four. And then five through 14 is an absolute crapshoot. You can really rank whoever you want there. Yeah, you really can. Uh, I mean, let's be honest here. Uh, could we – we could put Arkansas there as a top five team right now. Arkansas should be three and one. You could. You could put Arkansas there. You could put South Carolina there. You could technically still put Tennessee there, I guess. There's so many teams you could put there. Kentucky? You could put Kentucky there after their win against um, Tennessee, which was super impressive. You know, you could really put anybody you want there. Sorry, did I say third best? Well, sorry. Yeah, no. No, never mind. I confused myself. Top five, top four in the SEC right now, I think we agree, is uh, Alabama, Georgia, A&M, and Florida with the last two. Uh, you probably being able to flip-flop every way you see. But after those four, it's wide open. I completely agree with you there. Just some quick notes on this game, because I actually did watch this one on the noon slate. Um, if you look at the stat lines, like the box score, the total yards and everything, you would think Auburn won this game, because they had almost 500 yards of total offense compared to South Carolina's 300 yards of total offense. But this was a big defensive win for South Carolina. Uh, Bo Nix threw three interceptions. And um, I forget who it was on defense. One of their corners, I think I like all three picks. He had a tremendous game. But Bo Nix was not able to get the ball to his playmakers. Uh, Tank Bigsby had a great game, and he's a true freshman. He's going to be a stud for them, 110 yards and a touchdown. But Anthony Schwartz did not have a big day, and I think he's – and neither did Seth Williams. And I think those two guys need to be more involved in this offense if Auburn's going to want to bounce back moving forward. You're thinking of uh, junior corner J.C. Horn. He had two interceptions in that game. I, yes, that's what I was thinking of. He had a great day. He was super impressive for South Carolina. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, we only have, I think, two games left here for the top 25. Kentucky demolishes Tennessee 34-7. Uh, Garantano, uh, the story of this game, too, picks sixes early. Um, and, yeah, Tennessee keeps going back to Garantano because I think it's safe to say they don't really trust any of their co- other quarterbacks more than him. And that's not even saying they trust Garantano. It's just he's truly uh, probably the best thing they have right now. So uh, for the Vols, a lot of good takeaways through the first four weeks. But I also think we're seeing that they're going to need to probably be active on the grad transfer quarterback market this offseason. Yeah, I think a lot of that will depend on the development of freshman Harrison Bailey. He was a high-rated kid coming out of high school. But he's a true freshman right now, so he's going to need some time. But, uh, yeah, they, Tennessee has a huge quarterback problem. Uh, we've touched on it in previous episodes. Garantano is not the type of guy that you want at quarterback if you need your quarterback to win you games. Like, Tennessee has a solid running game with with Eric Gray. You know, he had 128 yards on the ground. But if if the running game isn't working on a certain day, Garantano is not going to win you any games. And clearly he proved that on Saturday. So this was a defensive win for Kentucky, much like uh, South Carolina had a defensive win against Auburn. But, you know, an impressive win. They blew out Tennessee at Tennessee. 
and yeah, Tennessee has to figure out their quarterback situation because two pick sixes early by Garantano put them deep in a hole that they just cannot get out of. Yeah, if they don't figure out that quarterback situation, it could end up being actually a long season in Tennessee. And during that winning streak they had, the one reason they were winning a lot was because Garantano was playing uh, quality football. He wasn't a stud by any means, but he was playing at a quality level. Uh, lastly, in the top 25, Virginia Tech uh, takes down Boston College 40-14. Uh, the Hokies look really good this year. Uh, that defense is, is Good for the most part. Their offense uh, will run all over you. 350 yards on the ground, including 164 out of quarterback Hannon Hooker. But for Boston College also, uh, you were able to stick around for with Virginia Tech for a while. Uh, it was 17-7 uh, at halftime, I think, which isn't all that bad. And then Phil Jerkovic looked uh, decent again. 28 for 51, 345, two touchdowns and two interceptions. Um, it's a rebuilding process, retooling process for Boston College, however you want to call it, whatever you want to call it. It's a step forward. It's not going to be an overnight uh, reclamation project. Yeah, this was an example of a game where just Virginia Tech was just too talented for Boston College, and they were able to pull away in the second half. Jerkovic did okay, or excuse me, he did okay, 345 yards passing, two touchdowns. We did have two interceptions, which ended up costing them. But yeah, Virginia Tech, uh, the story of the day was the running game, 350 yards on the ground, and um, they scored four touchdowns through running the ball. So that was a big reason why they won this game. And with that, that's all our top 25 games this week. We had uh, two postponed, Oklahoma State versus Baylor and Cincinnati versus Tulsa. I'm looking at the other games really that uh, were played. Uh, Arkansas beat Ole Miss. So after Ole Miss put up uh, 40-some points on Alabama, uh, they only scored 21 against Arkansas on a 33-21 loss. Um, I will admit it. I was wrong on Sam Pittman, at least for now. Uh, whatever he's doing there in Arkansas, uh, he's he's has been truly amazing. This team was at the bottom of the cellar for the SEC for the last few years. Looked like there was no hope there. And they really should be 3-1, like I said earlier. Uh, so, great job by Pittman. Um, yeah, Matt Corral was the story of this game for me. He had a huge letdown game. He threw six interceptions, which I did not realize that he threw that many picks in this game. But, yeah, that was that was the story for uh, Ole Miss. I still think Matt Corral's a great quarterback, but, wow, that's a bad game for him. Yeah, this game really showed the concerns people had about Corral coming into this season. Uh, as good as he looked about against Alabama, he looked uh, that bad against uh, Arkansas for the most part. Um, UCF Memphis. Uh, Memphis wins 50-49 thanks to a second-half comeback. Um, any thoughts on this one? Uh, this It was a fun game. Uh, to say the least, uh, but I I don't have any really dominating thoughts on this one. Yeah, no, what a game. Like, Memphis pulled a late comeback in the fourth quarter, scoring 21 points in the fourth quarter and 15 in the third quarter to uh, beat UCF right at the buzzer, basically. Uh, UCF almost had 800 uh, yards of offense. Memphis had 700 yards of offense. This was definitely, like we said earlier, it was going to be a quarterback battle between uh, Dylan Gabriel and Brady White, and that's exactly what it ended up being. Gabriel with 601 yards and five touchdowns. Brady White with 486 yards through the air and six touchdowns. So just an incredible offensive game. 
good win for Memphis. It was a very good win for Memphis. Uh, and with that, let's move on to the game of the week, Alabama versus Georgia. Alabama wins 41-24 in Tuscaloosa. Georgia had a 24-20 halftime lead, but Alabama dominating defensive effort in the second half was the story of the game as they outscored uh, UGA 21-0 in the second half. Anthony, I think this game showed two really good defenses. The 41 points, don't let that be a... Don't don't try to tell any story about Georgia's defense. Georgia's defense, for the most part, I thought, held up pretty well against a really dominant Alabama offense. The story of the game, however, is Alabama has the really good quarterback here. The One of the top five, probably, quarterbacks in the entire country. Stetson Bennett, a very good story. He's a good quarterback. He's a quality quarterback. He's, I, I would definitely say, a power five starting quarterback at most schools. But he's not the type of talent that's going to be able to take over a game like this and lead you to the promised land. No, definitely not. Um, the story of this game to me was that Alabama's defense showed up. Um, last week, their defense did not show up, and they gave up almost 50 points to Ole Miss. Uh, this week, uh, they dominated that Georgia offense. Uh, Stetson Bennett, like you said, he's a serviceable quarterback. Uh, but he threw three interceptions in this game, which which did not help Georgia's case at all. Um, like you said, they were leading at the half, too, but Bama's talent was just too much, and they clearly pulled away in the second half. Mac Jones, like you said, was spectacular. 24 of 32, 417 yards, and four touchdowns. Najee Harris has been dominant this year. He's making a case to be a top running back in the NFL draft next year. 31 carries. They leaned on him in this one. 152 yards and a touchdown. You know, the tide rolled in this one. Uh, they clearly showed that they're the best team in the SEC, and they should steamroll their way to a playoff berth this year unless something crazy happens or an injury or something, because this team looks spectacular. But I do have a question for you, Dylan. Sure, go ahead. I look at Stetson Bennett, and I think he's all right. But I just wonder to myself, if this team still had Justin Fields and didn't let him walk, would this game, like, how would this Georgia team look? How much different would they look? I think they'd look uh, vastly different, because I think the one reason Alabama's defense did better this week is we've seen this year the way to beat Alabama's defense is you have to be able to stretch the field go like you if you go for the home run place you're, you're probably going to get one or two against Alabama at least because that secondary believe it or not is not that good Georgia however doesn't have a guy right now in Seton Bennett who can stretch the field he doesn't have the arm strength we saw him attempt that one throw late in the game where he was thrown across his body and whoever he was attempting to throw the ball to was still another probably 15 20 yards down the field and it it just it was a duck um with Justin Fields I think it would it would change the Georgia offense uh quite a bit because Fields has that arm strength to throw the ball downfield quite easily and I think even when JT Daniels is ready to play because I think while Stetson Bennett has been good and I have been on the Stetson Bennett bus recently thinking about it more and more I do think if JT Daniels was healthy fully healthy and comfortable and ready to play that he would be playing um, 
especially in a game like against Alabama. I could see by that 11-7 game against Florida uh, in Jacksonville that JT Daniels could be the starting quarterback if he's ready to go uh, because he has that ability to stretch the field. He he changes that Georgia offense dramatically. I mean, this Georgia offense hasn't exactly been like a juggernaut the first four games. 37 points against Arkansas, who Arkansas has been very good, but the talent level between them and Arkansas is vast. Monumental. Um, yeah, exactly. Auburn, 27-6. We, Auburn's a very good defense, so 27 points is quality, but at the same time, you'd like to see more. Tennessee, 44 points. Tennessee obviously isn't a great team, but is a, but 44 points is is pretty good overall. And then 24 points against Alabama. I think they'll be able to score the rest of their season. I think against Kentucky, I think Kentucky could be a, an interesting game because I, I don't think Kentucky's offense will be able to score a ton. But I don't know if Georgia's offense is going to be able to score a ton either. They may be able to just because they have more speed and talent. But that Kentucky defense isn't exactly a pushover. Florida, they'll put up points. That Florida defense is horrendous. Missouri, they'll be able to put up points. Mississippi State is another team they could struggle putting up points again. That Mississippi State defense has been good for the most part, even though their offense has been terrible. Uh, South Carolina's, who knows? And then Vanderbilt, that's obviously an easy win. But uh, with George, with JT Daniels or even Justin Fields, as your original question posed, I think this Georgia offense would look vastly different. And uh, I think you would have an argument for them being the number one team in the country. Yeah, I completely agree with that. That was a great in-depth analysis there. Does this game change your opinion of Georgia as a potential playoff team? Um, No. I want to see them with JT Daniels first. Um, And here, here's the so simple... Think, you think JT Daniels will make... No, no, you go here. Do I think JT Daniels can make them a playoff contender? Yes. Yes, I, I do. And I want to see... Uh, if he comes in and how he does perform. And here's the simple thing with Georgia. If they win out and get to the SEC championship game, beat Alabama, they're in. That's true. You know, it's still all ahead of them. It, if they win out, beat Alabama, and this, of course, assuming Alabama doesn't implode, which they probably won't. So if both teams get there with Alabama undefeated or one loss, Georgia one loss, and Georgia wins, I think Georgia gets in the playoffs at that point. Um, and I think to do so, they'll need JT Daniels. Um, if they just ride with Stetson Ben, if Daniels can't play for some reason, I do not think they're a playoff contender. And, uh, I think we'll see a, who knows after that. I mean, in that hypothetical scenario, if Georgia gets to the SEC championship plays, Bama gets in, you almost have to put Bama in too, with the way other teams have been dropping, yeah, you have to imagine that Bamba would get in that scenario too. That'd be the first time you get two SEC teams in there. Um, correction: Don't forget we had we had Georgia Alabama in a national championship game a few years ago. Oh, that's true. You're right. I keep forgetting about that. Second time. Second time. Yep. What a game too. Second time. It's all good. We're both tired. Um, yeah, and if Al- I think Alabama would have to get there with uh, no losses for both of them to get in. If they have two losses, I think it gets iffy depending on who they lose to. Uh, but, yeah, if they both get there, uh, Georgia one loss, Alabama no losses, and Georgia wins, they're both getting in. 
and then you got Clemson, and then the final uh, one would probably be uh, Ohio State or uh, whoever wins the Big Ten. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, last note, Nick Saban still undefeated against his former assistants. The man does not let his protégés beat him. You have to love it. Yeah, and I mean, that's amazing, just considering the laws of average probably tell you that one of these guys would have caught him by now. But uh, no, uh, Nick Saban doesn't get caught napping against his uh, former protégés. The apprentice never beats the master. The master is still undefeated. Thanks for the wisdom, Yoda. Uh, But uh, let's move on to week eight, because Anthony... It's been long and awaited, but we got Big Ten football back in our lives. It feels nice. The college football schedule is going to get a little bit more packed going forward. Um, so, yeah, let's let's start here. Um, Big Ten starts this week. As of right now, who do you have winning the Big Ten? As of right now, I'm going to say Ohio State wins the Big Ten. Um I'm just going to try not to be biased here. Um, obviously, they're going to have you know that test against Penn State, but it's going to be a little tougher for Penn State with no whiteout crowd behind them, uh, no Micah Parsons, and no Journey Brown, which we just learned about last night. And those those are all going to factor in to make things a little harder for Penn State and a little easier for Ohio State. So I do think that Ohio State will win the Big Ten this year and will be in the playoff. Yeah, I fully agree. Uh, they'll have a test in Penn State and – Maybe Michigan will finally uh, test them this year as well. And, of course, they'll then have to probably face Minnesota or Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. Uh, But since the Big Ten's back this week, and at the beginning we were trying to be a little bit of a Big Ten uh, kind of skewered podcast and how we cover. We'll run through all the Big Ten games real quick and then look at the rest of the top 25. Um Illinois versus Wisconsin on Friday night. Wisconsin 20-point favored. Uh, Jack Cohn, obviously, well, not obviously, but injured for Wisconsin here. He's out for the season. They hand the ball to Graham Mertz now to take over as their quarterback. Uh, They also have to replace Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Despite all that, I still think Wisconsin is probably the third or fourth best team in the Big Ten, depending on who you want to put in front of them. And I think uh, Illinois will give them a little bit of a challenge for a little, uh, but I think Wisconsin will find a way to win this one and probably cover the spread. Yeah, I think at first, Graham Mercer is going to shake off a little bit of rust. You know, he's first time starting as a quarterback. Obviously, losing Jack Cohn is a huge loss for this Wisconsin team. But uh, this is still a very quality Wisconsin team, and uh, they should take care of business pretty handily against Illinois. I think they'll win, and they will cover. Penn State on Saturday, 3.30 p.m., Takes on Indiana. Penn State, six and a half point favorite. Uh, I said this to you before the podcast. I think this is going to be a Penn State blowout or an Indiana win. Uh, I think Penn State's the more talented team here, but this is one of the best teams Indiana's put on the field in a long time. Like you said, Penn State has to make up for the losses of Micah Parsons and Journey Brown. Uh, they're two MVPs from the Cotton Bowl um, and both potential first-round draft picks. Um, I'm going to go Penn State wins this, covers the spread. I think they win. Uh, Honestly, it's probably not a blood, but I think they win uh, by 14 or 17 points. Yeah, Penn State better not sleep on this Indiana team, man. Uh, Michael Penix is a really, really good quarterback. Um, They're going to try to throw the ball deep on this Penn State secondary. He's got a great arm. He could also run a little bit too. 
Uh, but, you know, obviously losing Micah Parsons and Journey Brown is going to be tough for Penn State, but they have the depth, which is not something that they've had in recent years to make up for it. They have guys behind them that will step up and will be ready to play. Um, it's all going to depend on what happens with Sean Clifford. If he takes a step forward, this Penn State team will be fine and will compete for a playoff. If they doesn't step forward, this team might struggle a little bit. In this game, I think Indiana is going to keep it close, at least through the first half, maybe even three quarters. But I think Penn State will eventually pull away, win this game on the road, and cover. Moving on, uh, Rutgers versus Michigan State, 12 p.m. on the Big Ten Network. Um, big game for both programs, two head coaches uh, making their uh well, one of them is making their debut with their program. The other one making a second debut, Greg Schiano with Rutgers. And Michigan State obviously has um, – why am I blanking on it? Who, Michigan State's quarterback? Head coach. Oh, Mel Tucker. Yeah, Mel Tucker. Blanking on it. Uh, yeah, this is a big game for both programs. I think um, I think this is going to be close. Michigan State is a sizable favorite. ESPN doesn't have uh, the line here. Uh, but I actually think this game could be close. I think Michigan State probably wins just because of talent. Uh, but I'm expecting Rutgers to come out a little with fire. Greg Sean is a very good coach, and I think he's going to have his uh, team ready to play. Yeah, this is one of the stinkers of the week in, in the Big Ten. Uh, two lower-level Big Ten teams right now. Michigan State has fallen a little bit off the uh, the competitive spectrum in the Big Ten. But um, in this game, I do think Rutgers will come out ready to play. Uh, this is going to be a different team under Greg Schiano. Uh, he's going to be able to inspire his guys in ways that Chris Ash and other Rutgers head coaches have not been able to. He will close the talent gap a little bit between the bottom dwellers and the middle of the pack in the Big Ten at some point in his career. I believe that. Um, I think that this game will be closer than expected. I, I, screw it. I'll say that Rutgers is going to lose, but I think that they will cover in the process of losing, which could be considered a win for Rutgers fans. Yeah, I, I can agree with that take. Um, Iowa... Versus Purdue, 330. Um, Iowa, a three-point favorite here. Um, this is a tough one, but I think Iowa uh, takes this one. Iowa, I think, is the better coach team. Slightly more talented. Uh, and, yeah, the Hawkeyes, uh, I think, are uh, always going to be a team to watch out for. So I think that I think they get this and cover the spread. This is low-key going to be a very interesting one to watch just because of all the stuff that's happened with Kirk Ferentz in the offseason. A lot of unrest on that Iowa team right now. Will they, you know, will they be ready mentally to play this game? You know, that that's something that could be very uh, interesting to consider. But I think that Iowa is the more talented team here, and if they're ready to play in this one, I think that they will win this game. I agree. Um Michigan, a three-and-a-half-point favorite over Minnesota. Minnesota, I believe, opened actually as the spread last weekend, uh, but the spread has moved in favor of the Wolverines. Um, I was going to take the Wolverines when they were the underdogs here, and I still am. I I, I like Minnesota a lot, uh, but something's telling me that Michigan's going to win this game. Uh, obviously, they're debuting Joe Milton at quarterback. seems like... Wolverine fans are very high in Milton, uh, more so they've been on quarterbacks in the past. Um, quarterback's been the one spot that Jim Harbaugh hasn't been able to really lock down on that team. Uh, perhaps Milton's finally that answer. You know what? I'm going to disagree with you here. I'm going to um, I'm going to take Minnesota straight up to win this game. 
Uh, Minnesota at home. How dare you disagree with me? <laughs> Minnesota at home in this one. Uh, I love Tanner Morgan as a quarterback. I think PJ Fleck is going to have this team ready to play. He's an incredible head coach. Um, I think Minnesota is going to get a win here. Uh, Michigan breaking in a new quarterback, Joe Milton, very unproven. Uh, they lost a lot of guys from that team last year. Um, I-, I think that I think Minnesota is going to get an upset win here, and they're going to uh, further prove themselves to the college football world. Uh, I missed this one a little earlier somehow. Uh, I was looking at the other games. Uh, Nebraska versus Ohio State. Ohio State 26-point favorite. That line opened at like 24. Uh, moved to Ohio State this, a lot so far. Um, yeah, Ohio State's the more talented team here, the better coach team, uh, the better team. Uh, I'm taking Ohio State. I think Nebraska possibly covers um, – if it got to 28 points, I'll take Nebraska to cover. But uh, 26 is in that area where I'm not really sure. Yeah, no, that's a tough line, especially for the first game of the season. Listen, this Ohio State team is vastly more talented than Nebraska, and they're going to blow them out. It's just how big of a blowout is it going to end up being. Um, I respect Nebraska. You know, they're a team that, you know, they're a decent team, but they're still very unproven. Um, Ohio State's going to win very easily. But I could see Nebraska covering in this one, maybe only losing by 20 points, which isn't great, but you still cover. Yeah, that's true, and it would be a uh, a maybe a uh, moral victory for uh, Nebraska fans. Um, and then finally, the last Big Ten game, Maryland versus Northwestern. Uh, Northwestern 11-point favorite. Uh, Peyton Ramsey debuting at quarterback for Northwestern. Mike Loxley hasn't announced who his quarterback will be, though I'm assuming it'll be uh, Talia. Talia? 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 Talia. 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 Though Lance Legrand. Legrand. Why? Why is? Why do they have all the difficult names? Uh, it's it's not even diff- difficult. I mean, it's just a name that can be pronounced like three different ways. Uh, but either way, Loxley has a name to start quarterback. Um, I'm really not sure how to go. I think this is a big spread for Northwestern. I don't know if I trust the Wildcats enough in week one to uh, win by 10-plus uh, or really 11. Yeah, I agree with you on this one. I think Northwestern will win this game. I like Peyton Ramsey as a quarterback. And an interesting storyline will be to watch uh, the Maryland quarterbacks, whichever one they go with. I'm assuming it'll be Tagovailoa. Uh, it'll be interesting to watch um, how he plays. They're obviously very high on him in Maryland. Also, wide receiver, uh, freshman wide receiver Rakeem Jarrett, former five star. They've been hyping up that uh, that duo on social media for months now. Um, we'll finally get to see if they're uh, they're worthy of the hype. But I think Northwestern's going to win this game at home. And I'm gonna say Maryland covers. I think it's gonna be a closer game than 11 points. I yeah, I agree with you there. As I said before, um, let's um, we're getting a little. Yeah, I mean we're only at 40 minutes. Uh, we'll move on to ACC. We could give, I guess, quick ones like we've been doing recently. Um, Syracuse versus number one Clemson. Clemson 45 and a half point favored. Um, I don't know if Clemson's going to cover the spread just because I don't think their starters are going to be in more than a uh, a half, the first half and the first series of the third quarter. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to take Clemson, and I'm going to stay away from that spread. I'd say stay away from the spread. But to be fair, Clemson's starters were only in for the first half against Georgia Tech. 
and they put up 52 points. So I think this is true. I think and Georgia Tech beat Syracuse, didn't they? They lost. Oh, they lost to Syracuse, really? Yeah, Syracuse actually beat Georgia Tech, which Georgia Tech's been a weird team. Beat Florida State, lost to UCF, beat uh, Louisville, and then, uh, sorry, beat Florida State, lost to UCF, lost to Syracuse, beat Louisville, lost to uh, Clemson. Eh, screw it. Clemson covers. They're dominant right now. (laughs) <laughs> number 23 NC State against number 14 North Carolina North Carolina is 17 point favored I'm not trusting the Tar Heels to cover the spread this North Carolina State team is a pretty good team compared to where they came from last year I'm taking North Carolina win NC State to cover I, I was actually going to say the exact same thing right as I looked at it 17 points is a large number for North Carolina especially coming off a bad loss to Florida State uh, NC State's looked pretty good this year, too, I have to say. Although they did lose Devin O'Leary for the season, I believe. I believe he had a season-ending injury. which They did. I just saw that. Which, and now that I think about that, might actually change my opinion. But for now, I'm going to say NC State covers, but North Carolina wins. But the more I think about it, I might say North Carolina covers, knowing that NC State doesn't have O'Leary, because he's been a big reason for their success this year. He has. Um, and uh, Bailey Hawkman's been oh, has has struggled in his few uh career starts um so i'm gonna say push for now on north carolina florida state louisville um louisville five point favorite basically do you think florida state can continue the momentum uh louisville can they continue some momentum after a strong defensive performance against notre dame i'm gonna take florida state Remember when we thought, when I did our ACC previews way back in like April or May, remember we thought that Florida State and Louisville would be competing for who would be the second best team in their side of the conference? See. Yeah, that was a really bad take on our part. That's a freezing cold take right there. But um, yeah, no, these teams are both- Nobody has to know. Yeah, listen, these teams are both bad. Um, uh, You know, these this is a really- both teams have, have struggled this year. Both teams need to find their identities. I think Florida State has found their offensive identity a little more than Louisville has. So I'm going to say Florida State wins this game as well because I, I think that Jordan Travis actually can do something for this offense. He adds an extra element that uh, Blackman didn't add. And I just think Malik Cunningham has been a huge letdown for Louisville. So I'm going to say that Florida State wins this game outright. Yeah, I, overall, I think this game's really a coin flip, and it can go either way. But um, I feel a little bit more better about Florida State coming off that win. I mean, it needs to be the first half Florida State. It can't be that second half Florida State. If it's that second half Florida State, Louisville will win this game by multiple scores. Um, number three, Notre Dame versus Pittsburgh. Notre Dame a 10.5-point favorite. Um, if Pittsburgh doesn't have... Um, uh, Pickett. Kenny Pickett. Notre Dame is going to cover this, I think. Uh, if Pittsburgh has Kenny Pickett, I think they can keep this close. And I think this could be a fun one. Pitt's defense has been a little underperforming this year, uh, but I think they'll be uh, ready to play against Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame is going to cover either way. Um, I like Kenny Pickett as a quarterback, and I think he changes the whole dynamic of this Pitt offense. And Pitt always has a solid defense, especially on the defensive line. But Notre Dame had a clunker last week against Louisville, but they always do that once a year. 
they'll bounce back this week, and that offense will be fine. So I'm going to go with Notre Dame to, to cover. Although Pittsburgh could keep it close for the first half or so. I would not be shocked if this was a, a one-score game at halftime. Number 19, Virginia Tech takes on Wake Forest. Uh, Virginia Tech, a 10-point favorite, 9.5-point favorite. Um, I'm going to take Virginia Tech to cover this uh, spread and win outright. Um, their offense is a juggernaut right now, and I, I just don't think Wake Forest has enough uh, to keep up with them. You know, I agree. Virginia Tech looked great against Boston College, a team that we were both pretty high on going into last week. Um, I think that Virginia Tech will win this game in cover. Don't really have much else to say about it. Number 11, Miami versus Virginia. Virginia 1-3 after a great year last year. Miami 11.5 point favorite. Uh, I, I'm not in love with Miami, as you know, but uh, this uh, Virginia team hasn't exactly uh, shown me anything that makes me feel like they could uh, win this game. Uh, lost to Lake Forest last week, 40-23. Lost to NC State the week before, 38-21. Clemson the week before, 41-23. So, yeah, nothing tell me that uh, UVA can win this game or really keep it close. Uh, I'm going to take Miami and the points. Yeah, no, when you say it like that, it makes it pretty obvious in my opinion. You know, this Miami team struggled last week, but this is still a really good team. And I still think they're a top 15, top 20 team in the country, regardless of who's in the rankings. So I think that Miami will win this game and cover. It feels like there's a good top 10 teams in the country. Like, you could take 10 teams and pretty much comfortably fill out who who goes where. But after those 10, it feels like there's a bunch of teams that really aren't top 15 teams, uh, but probably really more belong in that 15 to 25 range, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, we had Louisiana in the top 20 for the first couple weeks of the season. So, no, that makes perfect sense. All right. Uh, to the Big 12, Kansas versus Kansas State. Kansas State, 19.5 point favorite. I'm going to take Kansas State. And the points here, Kansas is just a, a very, very bad team. And they no longer have Puka Williams. Yeah, no, I saw that he opted out due to COVID concerns. Uh, Les Miles recently contracted the coronavirus, I believe, as well. Uh, regardless, this is a bad Kansas team anyway. And even if he was there, I would have taken Kansas State to cover. Um, they're a really quality team with some really quality wins, including a big win against Oklahoma to start off the year. So I'm going to go with Kansas State. Oklahoma takes on TCU. Oklahoma seven-point favorite. Um, this is a tough one. I could see TCU pulling off another upset here. I'm going to say Oklahoma bounces back off the bye week um, and that uh, Iowa State lost two weeks sorry they're coming off a win over texas um i think they keep the momentum rolling use the bye week to their advantage take down tcu this is a sneaky good tcu team um i really like the makeup of this team i think gary patterson is a really solid head coach he's a very underrated head coach in my opinion but i think oklahoma's gonna win but tcu's gonna cover i think this is gonna be a really close game i think this is gonna be a game very similar to the tcu texas game we saw a couple weeks ago but I think Oklahoma's going to squeak it out because I think they're just a little bit better than Texas. And they won't make the same mistakes Texas did on offense. So I'm going to say that Spencer Rattler can get it done for Oklahoma. But it's going to be close. Number 17, Iowa State versus number 6, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, three and a half point favorite here. Um, this, for me, comes down to Spencer Sanders. If he plays, I think Oklahoma State wins and covers. 
If he doesn't, I think Iowa State wins this, and we officially have no Big 12 teams in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. I feel like I'm just agreeing with you a lot in this one, but I feel like for knowing each other so long, we just have the same brain when it comes to football. So I'm going to say that Oklahoma State's going to to cover, uh, you know, especially if Spencer Sanders plays. I could see them winning this game by two touchdowns. I think they're a lot more talented than Iowa State. I think Chubba Hubbard's going to make the difference in this one, and I think Oklahoma State's going to win. Very fair assessment. Baylor versus Texas. Texas, eight and a half point favorite. I think this is going to be a... A uh, possible shootout. Uh, not in love with this Baylor team. Obviously not the same team they were a year ago. Uh, put up 47 points against uh, Kansas. Only 21 against West Virginia. But we've only seen them twice this year. Um, yeah, so I really don't know what to think. I With that, I think I'm going to go Texas. I know this Texas offense is going to at least put up points. Um, so I'll take Texas. And the points, because I think they win this probably by at least 10. Yeah, I'm also going to take Texas in the points. I think the experience and the leadership of Sam Ellinger is going to make the difference in this game. I think he'll bounce back after a tough, tough loss to Oklahoma. Um, I I think Texas will win this game. And finally, West Virginia versus Texas Tech. West Virginia, three-point favorite. Texas Tech has turned to Henry Columbia at quarterback, replacing Alan Bowman who's been uh, the Red Raiders' starting quarterback since 2018. Um, this Red Raiders' defense is actually better than it's been in the past, but the offense has struggled mildly, something we're not used to out of a Texas Tech team. Um, I'm going to go West Virginia. This team is not a great team, but it's decent. They're playing quality offense and quality defense. Finally, we differ somewhere. I'm going to go with Texas Tech. Just no, honestly, no rationale for it. I'm just off a whim. I have a feeling that this Texas Tech team is going to win this game. I kind of have a gut feeling they may pull it out, but we'll see. And we'll move to the SEC for a final uh, Power pot 5 preview. Then we'll just look over to see if there's any notable G5 games. Auburn Ole Miss, Auburn three-point favorite. Uh, Over-under 70.5 points here. I, And if it's going to be that, honestly, I think it's going to be... If the over-hits... It's going to be because of Ole Miss. Um, I think Ole Miss wins this game. You think Ole Miss wins? I think Ole Miss wins. I'll be better than Ole Miss on Saturday. This is such a tough one just because I want to say Auburn bounces back. I just they're, – they're a better team than Ole Miss. Agreed. They're, they're a better team, more talented than Ole Miss. And I really – I still like their defense. I still like their defense. But – I also love Ole Miss's offense. Matt Corral just sucked it up in the last game. But um, if we get Matt Corral that showed up against Alabama, Ole Miss wins this game by multiple scores. I agree with that. I completely agree with that. If we get Matt Corral from last week, Auburn will be fine. It'll be a close win, but Auburn will be fine. Yeah. I I just don't think this. I just think if this Ole Miss team begins to roll in the game, Auburn won't have the offense to stay. Put up. I know Ole Miss's defense is Swiss cheese, but that Auburn offense hasn't exactly showed me anything that makes me scared of them. I agree. Listen, uh, Ole Miss, uh, or I should say Auburn, is only a three-point favorite according to the betting line. I'm going to say that Auburn wins and covers. They'll win by like a touchdown. 
But Bo Nix isn't the difference in this game. It's actually running back Tank Bigsby that's the difference in this game because he's been really good for Auburn this year, and I think he's going to have a big day on this Ole Miss defense. So I'm going to say Auburn wins and covers because of Tank Bigsby. Fair, fair enough. Uh, Alabama, Tennessee, Alabama 21-point favored. I got roll, tide, roll, and covering this pretty easily. Yeah, I agree, especially after watching Garantano last week. You know I haven't been a fan of Garantano ever. It's it's literally at an all-time low at this point. The bar is on the floor for him. Um, I think Bama wins, and their starters are out of the game by the third quarter. I think they're going to dominate this Tennessee team. Um, Kentucky, Missouri. Kentucky, five-and-a-half-point favorite. Missouri coming off a nice win over LSU. What was that, two weeks ago? Did they play this past week? I don't believe they did, no. Uh, no, it was postponed. Um, I'm taking Kentucky and the points here. Uh, Missouri... Nice win against LSU, but I think Kentucky's the better team here. Kentucky has a solid defense, and their offense will do enough here to cover the spread. Yeah, I agree. Give me Kentucky in the points. I like their defense. I like what I saw against Tennessee. So give me Kentucky. South Carolina, LSU, LSU seven-point favorite. I do think LSU probably gets back in the win column here, but I also think South Carolina is going to cover. That's exact. We have the same brain. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like I was, I literally looked at that and I was like, South Carolina's going to cover, but LSU's going to win. But I will say, Miles Brennan might not be back for this game, and I don't know who his backup quarterback is. I have no clue what his name is. So that's no offense to the guy. I just, I just don't know his backup quarterback. So I'll look it up quickly. Yeah. So I see a way that South Carolina wins this game. I really do. And if South Carolina can cause Max Johnson, Max Johnson. Okay, I remember him. He was a four-star kid out of high school, but. If South Carolina can create turnovers and give themselves good field position like they did against Auburn, LSU is going to lose this game because Auburn's a better team than LSU right now, in my opinion, and South Carolina beat them. So if LSU is very turnover prone and their defense does not show up like it hasn't, South Carolina is going to keep this game very close. Like field goal determines the game close. Yes. I agree. Yeah, there's no Miles Brennan. I, I, I would uh, probably um, put some money on South Carolina win this game. Um, but, yeah, we'll see how Max Johnson does um, in his first career, career start. Uh, looking around, uh, some other notable games across the country since that wraps up the SEC. Um, I'm looking. I'm look, uh, Marshall, Florida Atlantic. Um I think Marshall wins that, um, and pro. I don't know about that sixteen and a half point spread. I'm not going to act like I know a lot about FAU either, though. Um, uh, yeah, there's. I think Houston Navy. Navy's three. Go ahead. No, I was going to say I think the biggest one is probably Cincinnati SMU, which is on a Saturday night at nine p.m. Uh, SMU is currently a two and a half point favorite at home. That's a tough one. I mean, those are two very evenly matched teams, in my opinion. I, I might go with Cincinnati on the road to pull this one out. I, I like I said, I like the Cincinnati team. I picked them to win the AAC earlier this year. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say Cincinnati wins. Cincinnati has the better defense here, but I'm concerned about Rither. He, uh, he's not been accurate this year. He's turned over the ball a lot. Shane Buchel, on the other hand, has been one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Um, yeah, I really don't know how to feel I, my gut says leaning Cincinnati, but uh, I can see SMU winning this game because uh, that offense is uh, 
quite good. Uh, but uh, sorry for the on. Uh, but uh, Cincinnati has a really good defense. Um, but yeah, that's the only other I think really notable game of the weekend. That's not a Power Five matchup. Um, just doing Houston Navy. Houston obviously coming off a quality performance against BYU. Navy three and zero in American play, uh, which is a bit surprising. Um, Houston a fourteen point favorite. I think Navy can cover that spread just because triple option. Um, but yeah, we got Mount West back this week, but no games really stand out to me there. Uh, so I guess with that, um, I guess that wraps it up, Anthony, uh, for this week. Do you have any last minute thoughts? No, I mean, I'm excited to have Big Ten football back. Uh, I'm excited, obviously, to watch Penn State play. I'm excited to watch Ohio State play. That Minnesota-Michigan game is going to be a fun one at night. But, yeah, no, it, sh- it should be a great slate of games. And uh, it all starts starts on Thursday night, technically. So let's just dive right into it, as I like to say a lot in this podcast. Yeah, we'll dive right into it have, and we'll have a good weekend. Now, uh, yeah, be sure to follow us on Twitter. Uh, we'll leave all this social media stuff in the uh, description of the podcast. Uh, make sure to interact. Make sure uh, to like, subscribe, do whatever you want with the podcast. Uh, share the podcast. Uh, if you're over the age 21, be sure to crack open a cold one this weekend. Enjoy the action, especially all you Big Ten fans that have waited patiently for the return of Big Ten football. Um, but, yeah, I think that's about it, Anthony. Um, and all our picks, uh, obviously, we may change, but we are definitely uh, going to, starting this week, post our picks uh, each for the top 25 games um, against the spread. We'll do that on Friday night. Um, so, uh, yeah, make sure to f- check out our final concrete predictions on Friday. But besides that, have a good week, folks, and enjoy the football.